back. Better than ever, right? But we have a special guest here with us this morning. Uh, it's the Waldrop family. Chris and Nada Waldrop are visiting us from, uh, they're in Florida, but they're, they're originally from, well, they're not originally from, well, anyway, I'm just going to mess myself up. Uh, they're church planners in Germany. They're taking a furlough stateside. They've been in Florida for a little bit of time, and they drove across country just to see us. So that's not totally true, but probably partially. Okay. So um, we're going to hear a word from Chris this morning. I'm going to let Chris share, and then uh, we're going to go through some things, and, and I'll finish up. But it's a little a little different, but this is something that we believe the Lord is putting on our hearts, and and I know that he has something for us. So let's go ahead and pray, and then Chris will come up and share a little bit about them and, and what the Lord's doing with them right now. Father God, we thank you so much, just like Kobe said, that we can have confidence before you, Lord, because you've given us a holy calling. You've sanctified us. You've set us apart. We're different, Lord, and we want to have the kind of hearts that are submitted to you, Lord, in humility, that we don't want to be prancing around on our stallions, beating our chests like we have some kind of agenda in this world. We want to be those people called according to your name that demonstrate the same level of humility, loving, compassion to this world that you demonstrated to us. And we know, Lord, that your love covers a multitude of sins and your heart is for this generation. No matter how wicked and deceitful and sick it is right now, God, you died for us while we were sinning against you. And Lord, we pray that in this season we're going to, into as a church that you would remind us of those truths. Remind us that, that you love people. Remind us that no matter what society has to say about what's going on right now, your power is greater, greater than any political agenda, greater than any weapon Everything, God, is under your power and control. And as we are submitted to you, we know that you will bless and take care of us and reveal yourself to this lost and dying world. We love you and we ask these things in, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning for me. Is the mic on? Yeah? Okay. Well, uh, it was unexpected to be up here to get to share with you guys this morning. Um, but as Tim and I talked and discussed some things and then prayed together, um, I feel like the Lord may have some, some things that he wants to encourage you with, some stories that I'm going to tell and experiences that we've had, I hope will be a blessing to you guys today. But since it's Palm Sunday and, uh, we're kind of in a city of palms, uh, I thought we'd just go ahead and start in Luke 19. So just for the sake of tradition and today, I want you to be able to go home and say, yes, we kind of had a Palm Sunday message, okay? And then I'll just start, I'll go from there. But uh, Luke 19, and we're going to look at the triumphal entry of the Lord into Jerusalem. And, um, and as we kind of get into the message a little bit today, I guess I'll share a little bit about what my wife and I are doing, and some of the experiences we've had. So I'll, I'll touch on those things. All right. So Luke 19, 
and then we'll pick up in verse 28. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say, The Lord has need of it. That's not a... Uh, a uh, a free ticket to stealing, just so you know. The Lord has need of this. That's why I'm taking this now. But in this case, it was permitted. And so those who were sent away, they found, just as he had told them, they were untying the colt. Its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. And apparently, the owner said, okay. And so they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their, colt, their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. It sounds like a very welcome invitation to the Lord, doesn't it? And in a sense, it was. They were ready. They felt like it was time to have the Lord come in. Now, in this way that he came, I think it was quite shocking, although it was prophesied that he would come in this way, riding a donkey. I mean, you have the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all things, yet uh, he, he chooses to come in on a donkey. And it tells us in, in historical writings that this, this was a day of two uh, processions. This is a day when, when not only was Jesus entering into Jerusalem, but also uh, Pontius Pilate was entering in. Now, we know that his entry would have been much different. He wouldn't have come in on a donkey, and there wouldn't have been waving palm trees. He would have come in with, with multitudes, hundreds, if not thousands of soldiers, where you can, you can not only hear them marching, but you can probably feel the ground shake. And he would have been you know, coming in uh, uh, riding a, a horse with shiny armor to make a statement. I'm in town, and I'm going to govern this place. Well, not Jesus. Jesus came, as we remember every year, as we study and we reflect upon, as you look through Scripture... He came in such humility and such love and compassion because he was coming to save the lost, not to judge the lost. Amen. He, he came to seek and save that which was lost. He said, I didn't come to judge the world. But you and I know that there is going to be a different coming of the Lord. And we want to be ready for that. I like to kind of draw out that those two uh, comings of the Lord in a sense that we welcome you, Lord, 
We welcome that loving king of peace, prince of peace. But we don't want to wait till it's too late to when Jesus does come riding his horse to judge the earth, to judge the wicked one. We, we don't want to wait till it's too late. And today, well, today you have a chance to welcome the Prince of Peace into your hearts, don't you? Every day that goes by, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. And this, in a sense, they, they thought it was the day for salvation, but they were thinking of salvation in a different sense. They thought of, hey, we need to be freed up from the Roman oppression. We need to be freed up. We need to have uh, our um, kingdom back. Israel, the Lord is here, and his kingdom will be established, and, and it will go on forever and ever. Well, that will happen, but that wasn't the time. But what about now? The Bible tells us that Jesus wants to be the king of our hearts. He wants to rule and reign in your life. And we need to welcome him. And the Bible says that he stands at the door and he knocks. He's not forcing his way in. He's knocking. He's drawing you. He, he's, he's pleading with you. The Spirit is pleading with you to surrender, to welcome him. And in this case, if they had not worshipped, it says even the stones would have cried out. And I just love that. And I'm going to use that kind of now to springboard into some other ideas. But it tells us there that Jesus uh, was being um, welcomed by these disciples who had seen firsthand the many miracles. Look there at verse uh, 37, the end there. Miracles which they had seen. Jesus was not your typical prophet. He was not your your everyday rabbi. Jesus was hard to figure out. He, he really bent the rules. He, he did things in a ways that they were like, who is this guy? He's got to be the one. But then again, they'd go back and say, well, no, he can't, it can't be him. And then they'd, go, they'd say, well, he's, got, he's the Christ. But, but Lord, wait, 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 you can't go to Jerusalem, not right now. And back and forth to trying to figure out who is this guy? What is he coming to do and what's going to happen? Here's Peter in the garden ready to defend him, right, with a sword. I mean, really, when we just look at the, the text, we, we study the, the time and, and the, the, the things, the events that took place, and we say, man, they really just didn't get it. They really didn't understand who Jesus was, and they didn't understand how Jesus was intending to work in their lives. And I believe that we can relate with that. Sometimes we just don't get it, do we? We, we, be, you know, we might surrender our lives to the Lord. We want to uh, become Christian and have that forgiveness of our sins and, and be accepted into heaven and say, you know what, I know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And then we embark on this journey, Christian walk, and we sometimes lose sight of who Jesus is and exactly what he's doing in our lives. And there are a lot of temptations in the world. There are a lot of enemies we might face. There are a lot of hardships we'll go through that can get our eyes off Jesus. And that's just something I've 
been relearning and reliving, keeping your eyes, keeping my eyes on the Lord. Because you get your eyes off the Lord for one second. Man, all kind of confusion, darkness, and just a subtle falling away from really what's happening begins to take place. They saw the Lord do these miracles. Turn with me over to Mark chapter 1. As uh, Tim had told me you guys were going through the book of Mark, I thought when I got up this morning, I would start reading through the book of Mark and uh, try to get kind of caught up with you. And, and he talked about the series of discipleship and where you guys are at and the things that have, you know, he's been um, just been hearing, learning from the Lord and, and just feeling impressed to teach and go through. And so anyways, I was going through uh, Mark this morning and and here's some of the things that really stood out to me. You guys will know all these things. They're kind of fresh for me. But if you remember, and I'm just going to kind of fly through Mark 1, 2, and 3, okay? Just going to highlight some things. Notice that when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist has gone before him. It tells us uh, in verse 8, this is John the Baptist. He says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know, that's one of those things that I think the disciples didn't quite get about what Jesus was wanting to do in their life. He was wanting to change who they were by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was wanting to completely revolutionize their thinking about people, about the law, about Israel, everything. But they needed to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. They need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus came. Now, you don't hear them ask very often, ever, Jesus, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Instead, we do know they said, hey, um, Jesus teaches how to pray because they realized something was connected there. Now, you know, John the Baptist says this, and then it goes on and says that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And it says uh, in verse 11, and a voice came out of the heavens, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. Immediately the spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit work and Jesus's life was very unique. I mean, his mother was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And, 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 you know, we relate with Jesus in certain aspects of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the, the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I, I, I would venture to say, well, not quite to the dynamic that the Lord Jesus himself had. Nonetheless, as he was baptized, he was impelled to go out into the wilderness to be tempted. Okay. You think of the power of the Holy Spirit coming into your life to go and live a holy life? Well, what, you know, hello, here comes temptation. You know, first challenge is you're going to face, uh, stay close to the Lord. Don't give in. Well, it wasn't, hey, I'm just going to lay my hands on the sick. They're going to be healed. It was first he was overcoming uh, some, some very strategic attacks of the enemy. 
And he held on. We know that. And I'm not going to get into that. But he goes on and it says that after he overcame that, okay, Mark doesn't give a lot of insight to it. But look at what it says um, after he came out of the wilderness, okay? Verse 14, now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. Okay? Comes out of the wilderness. Now he's preaching the gospel. And this is what he says. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus comes and he's preaching the message. He's preaching the good news. And he's giving reference to a whole other dynamic of life. Kingdom life. You and I, we struggle with that. Right? We're living here. And we forget that the kingdom of God is the kingdom we're supposed to be living for. Don't we? I'm not here to tell you it's easy. It does take work and it takes a daily devotion. But we get sidetracked. And Jesus' first message was, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe in the gospel. He's like, let's start operating in the things that God is doing. Let's be concerned with the things that God is concerned with. Let's get our eyes off, uh, you know, the things around us, earthly, that are distracting us, perhaps oppressing us, distracting us from the very things that God intends to do. And it starts with repentance, humbling ourselves before the Lord, surrendering, and then turning to God and believing in Him, believing in His provision for salvation. That's the gospel, that He would provide salvation not only for the Jews, but the Gentiles. They missed that, didn't they? I mean, we're, we're here, Palm Sunday. Here they are. They're, they're praising him coming in. Hosanna in the highest. He's here, but they didn't really get it. Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, he was telling them the very things he was wanting to do. And it wasn't about being freed up from the oppression of the Romans as much as it was about being free from the power of sin and being healed within. He wants to be the king of our hearts, doesn't he? Even now, 2,000 years later, Hosanna, Lord, we welcome you. Well, I can tell you that even after you might have experienced supernatural things in your life, the, the, the great, the mighty work of God in your life, there still is the danger of losing sight of what's important. There still is the danger of of falling away from walking away from the continual abiding in Jesus Christ. It is a a daily thing, isn't it? And the longer you walk with the Lord, you realize, more, man, I've got to live this out. And I was sharing on that Wednesday, this the seasons. And as I continue to get into Mark and was just I was impressed by, um, it's a very short gospel, very compact. But, but Mark gets right to it as he, he kind of highlights certain things. Jesus is preaching 
uh, repentance and preparation for the kingdom of God, believing in the gospel. And it tells us as he's going out and now he begins to to call out the disciples to follow him. It tells us that, look at verse 21. He went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he began to teach. Now he's, he's not only out preaching on the streets, out in public, maybe the public square. He's going into the churches of the day. He's going into the synagogues. Now, this is what really strikes me, and I had to laugh about it, but look at what happens. He goes into the synagogue and begins to teach, and it says, verse 22, okay, chapter 1, verse 22, they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now that must have freaked them out, right? They're at church. You know, this is not like, we're down here on the, uh, what do you call that, the strip, okay, where you think you might bump into a few uh, unclean spirits or whatever. Um, this is at this is at church on the Sabbath, and um, what are you here for, Jesus? Like, what am I here for? What are you here for? You know, communion, a little bit of fellowship. Well, Jesus rebukes him, saying, "Be quiet, come out of him," and he throws him into convulsions. The unclean spirit cries out with a loud voice, and it sounded like this. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and it came out of him. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves. Now they're like, what? And it says, what is this? This is the, the craziest Sabbath we've had in a while. A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. (laughs) I bet it did. Sure, they're like, watch out on the Sabbath who comes to church. Jesus might show up. I mean, seriously. Now, if that doesn't strike you, uh, (laughs) Jesus... He performs this miracle. He displays his authority. Well, let's go on. Verse 40. A leper comes to Jesus, beseeching him, falling on his knees before him and saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him. Who is this guy? Jesus, what is he doing? Is he, he's lost his mind. He touches the leper. And he says to him, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Another radical thing takes place. Early on, Mark's getting right to the gospel, the kingdom of God. The king is here. He's working. He's healing. He's setting free. You get into chapter two. Everybody's excited 
they they don't know what to think. And and here you have these friends bring their paralytic friend, and they 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 want to get him close to Jesus because he's the answer. We've waited a long time for an answer, a solution. And now, here we have an opportunity. We're getting close. We've been enlightened. We've seen it with our own eyes. Jesus, he's the answer. All we got to do is get our friend close to him. Well, you guys know it. You've studied it. It tells us there that Jesus, seeing their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, they didn't like that too much because who has the authority other than God than to forgive sins? Well, they didn't know, did they, who Jesus was. So Jesus said, well, okay, which is easier for you? For me to say something and you to not see anything happen, transform. But it says, immediately Jesus aware in his spirit, verse 8, that they were reasoning that way within themselves. He says, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. This is the coming son of David. This is the king of kings at work. This is the one who came preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Why? Because wherever the king goes... So goes his dominion, his authority, doesn't it? But this isn't it. It goes on. You get into chapter 3, verse 1. Tells us he enters again into a synagogue. And a man was, was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him. Oh yeah, we've seen this before. To see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Well, it tells us so that they might accuse him. And so he says to the man with a withered hand, get up and come forward. And he said to them, using this as a lesson, but also displaying great grace, healing this man, he says, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? See, but they couldn't figure Jesus out. They didn't, they just, they were bound to their religiosity. They were bound to their rules and their regulations, and Jesus was breaking the rules because he's the king, and he can do that. And so after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he says to the man, stretch out your hand. Man, I'm sure that man was glad to be at church that day. And I hope when you leave today, you will be glad that you came to church stretched out his hand, and it was restored. The Pharisees went out, immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. What a wrong response, right? You say, what's wrong with these guys? Why, Why don't they get it? Why are they hating on Jesus? What did he do? He's breaking the rules, but he's healing the sick. He's 
setting free the captive, right? He's, he's doing these wondrous things, yet they weren't happy. They were displeased. And they had a wrong, wrong perception to life and godliness. They really had a wrong understanding about those things, didn't they? They really just didn't get it. And I think sometimes we miss the mark, too. But when we look back at the cross, when we hear the words of Jesus, say, oh, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. Man, we, were, we are reminded of what's important. As Tim started praying, I thought he was going to start preaching. Just, Lord, he died for us when we were dead in our sins. He came first. And then it goes on. And it tells us that it got to such a point where they're trying to figure out who Jesus is, where he got this authority, what's going on, and why. That the scribes, look over at verse 22, chapter 3. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, and I'm going to kind of end it here at this. They say, he's possessed by Beelzebub. And he casts out demons by the ruler of demons. And he called them to himself and he began speaking to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Jesus, man, having been so patient, so kind, so merciful, he, he explains, you know, even with these accusations. It's not the first time he's been accused wrongly, and it won't be the last time. But it tells us, you know, Jesus kind of explains some things. You think that a house can stand when it's divided. Well, you're wrong. And he, and, he, and he explains to them that in order for you to enter a house and that might be heavily guarded, heavily defended, well, you gotta, you got to uh, bind the strong man. you you got to take out the watchdog, so to speak, right? You don't enter a house that says, beware dog, and it's, it's barking. Well, first thing, you shoot that dog, okay? I'm not giving you any hints what to do, but that's what he's saying, this is not the way it works, people. And I, I just got to thinking to myself about the idea in our life, all of the things taking place here, they just they don't get it. And they won't get it until after he resurrects. But you know what? The resurrected Lord is here today. And we, should, we shouldn't leave here wondering who is that Jesus we ought to know without a doubt before we go home today who Jesus is. 
And perhaps you feel like that leper. Perhaps you feel like you've got that withered hand or a paralytic. You're you're stuck in your ways and you need help. Well, what what is the solution? Man, we're just getting started in the book of Mark. You guys have gone a little further. What is the solution? Who should we go to? Who should we call upon? Jesus. Because there is no other name given in heaven or on earth by which man might be saved. And Jesus came not only to seek and save the lost, but to heal the sick, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, didn't he? Luke gives highlight. He highlights on that. That was one of the messages in the synagogue. Jesus said, I'm here. Come and see me. Well, Jesus is here to see you. And you didn't know when you were getting up to go to church today, as you were thinking about all the things going on in your life. Well, Jesus wants to meet with you again today, doesn't he? He wants to meet with you. He wants you to stretch out your withered hand. He wants you to extend it. Maybe he wants, maybe you're in a a different position. Maybe there's someone in your life who, if you'll just have faith and be persistent in prayer, and you'll bring that person before Jesus, not only will they be healed, but their sins will be forgiven. And you and I know which is more important. Salvation, eternity with the Lord, life everlasting. And I look at that and I think about us, you know, and I think about myself and I think, wow, Lord, man, come in and heal me. Come in and fill my life again with the Holy Spirit. But what about the strong man? See, there are principles in life. There are laws in this world that exist and we cannot change. We can try to defy, uh, defy the laws of nature and, and we, we can do it, but those laws still exist, right? My favorite's gravity, you know, you, you know you, everything's pulled back to the earth. Well, there are kingdom laws that are just as real. And the Bible says, if we will repent of our sins, if we'll confess them before the Lord, it doesn't matter what you have in your heart right now, where you come from, where you've been, what you were doing last night or this morning. If you'll confess those sins, get right with the Lord. He will be faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's a promise. You don't have to go to church. To receive that, you don't have to go into the prayer closet. You can pray where you are. You have to open up your heart. But here's the deal. You have to welcome him in. And that's the thing that we overlook sometimes. We want the Lord to force his way in to rescue us. But he stands at the door and he knocks, does he not? You know, I've I've realized um, it seems like the plastic bottles that they put water in, are getting thinner and thinner. You notice that? I don't know. I've been a while. I've been in Germany now for just over twelve years, and um, 
from what I can remember, the bottles used to be a little thicker, but I don't know. So you take those plastic bottles, for example, right? You, you drink that, that bottle and you put the lid back on and you want to go to crush it. Well, you can't. It's filled with air, right? You try to squeeze it. It's very thin. You can do it. A kid, children can do it. But you got to pop the top. You got to release the beast. You got to let out what's in. Right? You, you understand what I'm saying? You have to release those things so that the Holy Spirit can come in. As soon as you undo that top, you can crush it. Like that is, children can do it. And all the Lord is saying, he's saying, repent. I'm here. I'm willing. The leper said, Lord, if you're willing. And Jesus reached out and he touched him. And my guess is, that there are some of us today, I felt that way this morning. We need to pop the top. We need to let the Lord in. We need to let him in to deal with those issues so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. John said, I baptize you with water, but he has come to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And isn't that what, what it was all about? When Jesus had resurrected, it was not just to be forgiven for their sins. But he said, listen, and he breathed upon them. The Holy Spirit, he said, wait in Jerusalem so that you might be filled. The power of God will come upon you. And guys, gals, I plead with you. I plead with myself day in, day out. We forget this. We cannot do life without the Holy Spirit. We should not try. And you know what? We need to be being filled. He, he said, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know we, we tend to turn to other things. You know, just give me a break. You know, just give me a beer. Just let me take a minute away. But the real answer is the Holy Spirit. Jesus, he's the real answer. And I guarantee you, man, I guarantee you, if we will welcome him like they did on Palm Sunday, he'll come riding in. And it's not going to be a white horse judgment. It's going to be a donkey, the prince of peace. He's going to come in and he is going to dwell with you. He's going to provide such comfort, such mercy, such love and such joy. We're afraid if we open up the door, he's going to come in and smash us. Right? Because we deserve it. But that's not what he's going to do. And today, every day we wait. That's the time the Lord is coming, the Prince of Peace. Goodwill to all men. The Lord has such great things in store for you guys. No matter your age, no matter your gifting, no matter your struggles he has great things in store and if we just would just let go and let god man he will do amazing things and i want to encourage you guys with these things today that jesus is alive and he is reigning and all we have to do is welcome him in hosanna hosanna come in amen
Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your love, for your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you have done wondrous things. Lord, and you're wanting to do those things even for us today. Let us not harden our hearts. Let us not despise your gentleness, your humility, your grace, your generosity. Let us lay hold of it. Let us cry out and let us invite you. Lord, we want to have faith to believe. And we want to trust you. So we ask you, Lord, to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, come and fill us with the Holy Spirit today. that We might live for you. And we might walk in the newness of life, but also have the authority and the power to overcome just the, the hardships, the difficulties, the temptations. And that we might be used by you, Lord, in whatever way you see fit. Help us, Lord. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you so that you can direct our paths. And we praise you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, brother. Good word. You know, we're living in a time now where um, I feel like we have certain kinds of expectations. I don't know if you guys are seeing what's going on right now around the world, but it's it's kind of crazy. And it, and it seems like uh, things just keep getting worse and worse. And I, I'm not like a, a doomsday guy, you know. I'm, I'm not a downer. I remember when I was growing up through the 90s. I know that was a long time ago, guys. Bear with me, okay? Everybody was talking about, you know, the end of the world and the return of Jesus. And as a kid, I thought, shut up, you know, like, I want to live my life. I want to grow up. I want to experience life. And my 10-year-old said something the other day that kind of impacted me. You know, uh, he didn't say it to me. He said it to Grace, and she told me later. He said, uh, um, Mom, when is Jesus going to come back? And she said, hopefully soon. He said, I sure hope it's soon because I just want to go to heaven. (laughs) Either stuff's tough at home. I don't know what's going on. But to kind of touch on what Chris was talking about, like we have these expectations. And whenever we would have people come through uh, Croatia, they'd stop in at the church And they said they wanted to be missionaries. They want to serve the Lord on the field or even in ministry. You know, something that I learned early and I'm grateful for that the Lord taught me and I I want to pass it on to others as, as much as I can. You know, our expectation and hope has to be in the Lord. That's what our hope is in. That's what our expectation is in. God knows where you're at right now. He knows what you're going through. And sometimes it's tough because uh, we don't understand what we're going through. We don't understand the position that we're in. They didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. I mean, it says, how clearly does it say we're in the text that we're going to be in today in, in Mark chapter 8? He told them plainly. 
you ever feel like that? Like, you know, I can't say it any more clearly than this, but they didn't have the right understanding. And for us, we are, you know, we cannot look at the world and get off track by not having the right understanding. God is for us. He's for you. He's bringing you through this season to encourage you in your faith, to bless you and to take care of you. And when things get really bad in the world, you know, when God's judgment is being poured out on the planet, you're not going to be here anymore. God is going to take you out so that you do not incur his wrath. The, The scripture clearly teaches us that. But again, going back to the heart of, I think, of what the Lord is is revealing to us this morning. Don't be confused at the season that you're in right now. Don't be confused at the season that the world is in right now. Hope thou in God, for we shall yet praise him. Make your expectation in him. And he will never disappoint I can't tell you how many people that I've met that place their expectations in their own ability or in what they thought would be a good idea to do, and they got completely wrecked. It wrecked them. You know why? Because they didn't understand that God had something greater for them than they had for themselves. Does that make sense? God has something greater for us especially as a church in this time. We have a holy calling. You know what that is? It's a different kind of calling than anybody else has. We have a holy calling in this age right now to be Jesus's hands and feet, to show the world who Jesus is and to represent him well and rightly when the majority of people are not, unfortunately. So I'm going to pray for us one more time. Thanks again, Chris, for sharing. It's been such such a blessing to have the Waldrops here. Thanks to Gary and Bonnie. Although they're not here, they went down to San Diego this morning for letting them stay at their place. Um, we've known the Waldrops for a long time. I think 2008, was that what it was? We We first met. They also moved to Croatia and and spent about a year with us there in the ministry down there. And uh, we're excited for them to see what the Lord's doing with the church that they planted in Munster, Germany, and how he's continuing to lead them for his namesake there and wherever else, you know, whatever else the Lord wants to do. So uh, the same for you and for I as well. Let's pray. God, thank you that in our submission to you, we could be confident that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We're part of your family. We don't want our own expectations of what life is supposed to be like to cloud out the glory that you want to show from heaven in our lives. We don't want to hold on to the menial little things of life And to take value in those things or to hold those things up as having value when you have much greater things, God, beyond our wildest dreams, beyond our expectations. We trust you and we know 
that you want to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. And God, we thank you for placing that promise in our hearts today. We pray for the Waldrop family, Lord. We love uh, them and, and we know that you have good things in store for them. Protect them as they're driving across the country again, as they're going back to Florida, Lord, after they visit California. Protect them by your grace and your mercy, Lord, and fulfill them, Lord, with your spirit. Bless them as they fellowship with other friends and family that they love. Encourage them. And thank you for allowing them to be with us this morning. We love you, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.